0: These are people that can have a migraine that's associated with dizzy spells, or they can have a migraine that eventually results in slurred speech, which in most cases, people get really scared with that because they believe that they're having a stroke. Welcome to the Health Quest Podcast, your guide to God's will for good health. Hello, my name is Dr. Sal, and I've been a practicing surgeon for well over 30 years. And my goal for each episode is that it'll be able to have you transform your mind to God's design for good health and in a way to affect the way you eat and the way you live. If you're new here, we release a new episode every week. And if you enjoy the content, would you please leave us a good review? It really helps our ratings and allows our show to reach more people, and in turn, we can help them as well. Thank you for your support. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about migraine headaches. So let's dive right in on today's health podcast. Migraine headaches are neurologic disorders that could cause debilitating pain that could leave you in bed for days. Such things such as light, Sound, movement, and other triggers may exacerbate these symptoms. It affects about 12% of Americans. It is a genetic disorder, and it is the sixth most disabling disease in the world. There's 150 types of headaches, and these could be divided into two categories: primary and secondary. Primary being one where the it, the pain actually starts in the head and causes the headache. And the secondary is where you may have some other physical ailment occurring elsewhere in the body that eventually ends up causing a headache too as well. It is a clinical diagnosis. Now, what that means is is that there isn't any kind of imaging study, whether it's an MRI or a CAT scan or any kind of blood test that you could do that actually confirms that you have a migraine headache. A clinical diagnosis is based on the symptoms that you present with to your physician And over time, it starts to fit into these categories or prototypes that eventually indicates that you're having the migraine. But what are the different types of migraines? For instance, we have migraine with aura, which is the complicated migraine. And then we have the migraine without the aura, which is your common migraine. Sometimes these migraines can present with a sense of paralysis or a sensory change on one side of the body. Yes, sometimes people can have a weakness or even paralysis of one side of their body while they're experiencing these headaches, or they just feel a funny sensation on uh, the one side of the body, and this is called hemiplegic migraines. These are usually the neurological changes that occur to one side, and one in particular is called the ocular migraine and or retinal migraine, which is really a migraine that starts with pain in the eye and then over time starts to radiate to other areas of the body. A chronic migraine usually occurs when you've had at least 15 headaches or migraines per month and these symptoms can fluctuate. In other words, it could start off with a dull headache and then eventually intensify to this throbbing headache where it makes you or you become debilitated and you get at least fifteen of these in a month. These are the ones that become debilitating and sometimes require hospitalization, and we'll get we'll talk about that shortly. But we could also have migraines with brainstem auras. Now, the brainstem is an area of the brain that eventually controls your balance, your speech, uh, your vision. So these are people that can have a migraine that's associated with dizzy spells. Or they can have a migraine that eventually results in slurred speech, which in most cases, people get really scared with that because they believe that they're having a stroke. It could also affect your vision where you start getting double vision. And this is the area where if there's no evidence of a tumor or some type of hemorrhagic stroke, then we can assume that it is based on The area which is the brain stem, the back of the brain and then the base of the brain that's causing you to have these other symptoms associated with the so-called headache. A status migranosis. Status migranosis is rare. And what that is, it is a headache that lasts for longer than 72 hours. I am talking about a debilitating headache where you are bedridden for at least three days. And these are individuals that do require hospitalization and require a certain therapy with IV or gotamines, and we're going to talk about that shortly. But let's talk about the four stages or the phases of a migraine. Well, the first stage is known as the protome uh, symptoms, and these are people that get like a pre-headache that lasts for a few hours or a couple days. It's usually just a little bit of a dull headache, They have sometimes a problem concentrating. Um, They become irritable, oftentimes depressed, especially if it starts to come on more frequently because as they start feeling it coming on, they start believing that, okay, I'm going to get this headache. I'm going to be debilitated for the day. I've got stuff that I have to do. And so they can get depressed. They can have difficulty reading or speaking, therefore debilitating their capabilities of working and doing their daily uh, chores. They could also have difficulty sleeping. Now, if you don't get a good night's sleep, then it results in fatigue, which can then exacerbate or worsen the headaches. That's another form of anxiety that people develop because sleeping actually settles the migraine down. And if you can't sleep well and you have this continuing headache, then eventually results in, in fatigue and your inability to function in your daily routine. These are individuals that are very sensitive to light and sound. And as a result, they have to go into a dark room, uh, which is completely quiet because any form of sound or sensitivity to light can make the headache even worse. And what is the aura phase? Well, that usually lasts for about five to 60 minutes. There's a numbness, a tingling, a sense of weakness, some visual disturbance where you get some visual kaleidoscope like blurred, blurred spots or fortifications, these flashing lights. Uh, it seems like you've got like these explosions that are occurring in your eyes or you may see things in a kaleidoscope where things are moving. And occasionally you get some blind spots or blurry spots that occur with that. You could have the headache, uh, which is the third phase which is throbbing or you can have pressure. People describe it as being migratory where it starts to move back or starts from the back and moves towards the front. You can have a sense where you feel your head is uh, a drilling sensation or an ice pick sensation into your head. Uh, This could be associated with neck pain and stiffness, depression and anxieties we talked about. And of course, again, to sensitivity to light and sound and also even smell. These are people that can have, once they get these headaches, they can have associated nausea and vomiting. And as a result, they don't sleep. Without sleep, you can't get that headache to settle down. And this goes from hours, and the headache can last for up to days. But let's say you get over the headache. Now we go into the fourth phase, or the postdrome phase of the headache. And you could be, in a sense, as if you have this feeling of a hangover or you're just completely out of it. You don't have the ability to concentrate. You could be in a depressed mode. Again, these are people where they got to get up and they've got to go to work. They don't feel like it. They just lost all motivation. They have fatigue. They have a lack of comprehension. And again, as I said, it's kind of like that hangover feeling that you have if you had too much to drink the night before. So, we understand now the phases of it the symptoms that go along with it but what actually causes a migraine and the migraine is believed to be caused by a mixture of environmental and genetic factors that influence the excitation and inhibition of nerve cells in the brain in other words what causes the nerve cells or the nerve fibers to, to be excited and send other signals and what causes them to shut down in the brain now the older vascular hypothesis and this is what i learned back in medical school back in the 80s it was due to and it was postulated that the headaches of a migraine were produced by the blood vessels dilating in the aura by the constriction of the blood vessels but this mechanism has been disproven now and now the accepted hypothesis suggests that there's multiple primary neuronal impairments So there's a lot of abnormal neurotransmitters being sent throughout the nervous system and it leads to a series of intracranial and extracranial changes that triggers this physiologic cascade that eventually leads to migraine symptomatology. Of course, there is an underlying inflammatory process that goes along with that as well. So we start to see that really a migraine is like a short-circuiting of the brain. But what can trigger this? Well, there's a variety of different factors. Emotional stress, people that go through stress and are genetically susceptible to it. Uh, Poor diet. There we go again with the diet because you could have sensitivity to specific chemicals and preservatives that are in the foods itself. Alcohol, chocolate, food additives such as nitrates that are in the foods that we talked about, especially with these cold cuts that you get in these sandwiches, um, contain a lot of nitrates. These can trigger that. Excessive use of pain relieving medications. And the reason why I say that is you say, well, shouldn't you take pain medications for a migraine? Yes. I mean, it's what you do to, for any kind of pain is to take something to relieve it. But there is the, uh, the effect of a rebound that could take place. So we get this rebound effect. If you take too many of these pain medications and all of a sudden you get over the headache and it rebounds, you take the pain medication and it rebounds, and over time, the pain medication becomes less and less effective. There can be hormonal changes, and this is one of the reasons why migraines are more common in women than they are in men, but I've seen it happen in men that I almost think it's about a 50-50 uh, ratio, uh, men to women, but the literature states that it's more women having these migraines. We believe that it's due to the hormonal changes. Light, especially uh, flashing lights, can trigger these migraines, fluorescent lights. TVs and computers and the lighting, that the blue light that comes from these uh, particular uh, Modes eventually can trigger a migraine too. Excessive sunlight, if you're out in the sun, that's why it's good to wear a good pair of sunglasses. Other possible triggers such as changing weather, um, barometric changes, humidity changes, temperature changes, overexertion, just getting exhausted can trigger this. Dehydration from not drinking enough water, disruption of sleep patterns, of course, loud noises exposure to cigarette smoke, perfumes, and even pungent odors. So, we now know the triggers. We know some of the symptoms. The question is, is how do we treat migraines? Now, migraines that are chronic, they can't be cured, but they could be managed and possibly improved. There are two main treatment approaches that use medications either for abortive reasons or preventative. So, let's talk about abortive medications, and these are most effective when you use them at first sign of a migraine, so you start feeling, hey, I think a migraine is coming on. People that have had them for so many years know when it's coming on. They, you know, The symptoms become very apparent to them because they've had so much experience with it. And when they start getting a mild uh, headache, they start to take some type of uh, prophylactic or preventative medication uh, that eventually reduces the severity of it. Um, if it occurs, um, you really shouldn't be taking more than three or four uh, times the pain medication per month because it could significantly interfere with normal activities. So what medications are used to relieve migraine pain? Well, it's recommended that you start taking something over-the-counter, um, such as a um, uh, Excedrin for migraine. Those are uh, aspirin, with caffeine in it. Usually anything that's uh, treated for migraines over the counter will have some form of caffeine. Caffeine does help settle a migraine down. And this is for people that have a mild to moderate uh, pain. And again, we were talking about the ibuprofen, the aspirin, acetaminophen, which is your Tylenol, and naproxen. Again, these contain caffeine and these are the over the counter products uh, that were approved by the food and drug administration for migraine headaches be cautious when taking over-the-counter pain medication because overusing it eventually causes the rebound effects that we talked about earlier it also can de- you could also develop a dependency on this now believe it or not i've seen people become dependent or addicted to just motrin now whether it's physiologic or psychologic, It doesn't matter some people feel that I feel something I got to take this right away Uh, I recall bodybuilders back many many years ago from you know working out hard the next day they didn't want to feel the soreness of the muscles so they started taking Motrin and they took an excessive amount of it too as well if you're taking pain medications more than two to three times a week you may want to go see your physician who may prescribe some form of prescriptive medication that could be more effective and some of these um, prescriptive medications are, uh, these are the ones that are more abortive. Imitrex is a commonly known one. And these are fancy names, like sumatriptin, uh, zol- zolmitriptan, and naratriptan. These are the ones that are usually abortive. There are calcium channel blockers that we use for blood pressure medications, such as verapamil. That can help reduce these headaches. Now there's these new peptides, or what they're called, monoclonal antibodies, and these are calcitonin gene-related uh, peptides, which help to prevent these headaches from coming on. It's a shot that you get once a month, and it helps to prevent them. Sometimes you have to do it in combination. There are other beta blockers. Again, just like your calcium channel blockers, these are. Uh, blood pressure medications that help lower the blood pressure and reduce some of the strain on the nerve endings inside the brain. In the past, they've used antidepressants. I've talked about this before. Antidepressants have been tolerated fairly well and used very well for the treatment of chronic pain. As a result of that, however, people that have taken these antidepressants for a number of years over time, starts to alter the neural networks. Um, One of the most famous one that was used many, many years ago, I'm talking 40 years ago, was amitriptyline. It worked very, very well. However, we're starting to see that these people that are in their 50s now, that were taking them in their early teens, because migraines can affect teenagers as well, are now starting to, I believe, to have a rebound from that and getting it to the point where these antidepressants aren't working as well anymore. They're using anti-seizure medications, that have been helpful. It doesn't work all the time, but by the same token, we feel that when there's a a short circuiting within the brain that's causing these migraines, it could almost mimic that of what we call a petty mal seizure, where you could lose concentration on something. And so some of these anti-seizure medications are useful for the prevention of migraines. Some of the other medications that they've used are corticosteroids to reduce inflammation. Uh, and phenothiazines are also anti-inflammatory. Your healthcare provider may recommend also some vitamins. And this is what I always try to advise um, anybody that has this. There are a number of minerals, particularly magnesium. We've talked about this where Americans are almost close to 70% magnesium deficient. So I treated my patients with magnesium uh, supplements and helped reduce a lot of their symptoms. There's a number of herbs that you could take too as well. Uh, Rosemary, basil, uh, sage have been helpful. There's vitamins like uh, vitamin B2, which is uh, riboflavin, but you should really take a a multivitamin or at least a multi-complex B vitamin daily. Uh, Other herbs are like feverfew, butterbur, coenzyme Q10, so important. Now, the only way you can actually get that is by eating beef hearts. And I don't see too many Americans eating beef hearts. So uh, CoQ10 not only helps reduce some of the inflammation that could cause some of these headaches, but it's also a good way to take that particular uh, coenzyme When you're taking a statin, because statins have a tendency to lower coenzyme Q10, and that's why you'll hear on those commercials that it causes uh, muscle cramping, because it does weaken the muscles. Uh, There are drugs or medications that can help relieve uh, the nausea, such as Zofran. When taking something over the counter, I always recommend taking Benadryl. Now, if you mix Benadryl with a corticosteroid, one of the best antiemetics that you can take or anti-nausea medication. Um, I'll... All of these medications, of course, should be under the direction of a specialist or a healthcare provider with that that really specialize in, in migraine therapy. Some of the things that when you get a migraine, some of the ways to kind of help reduce it is uh, resting in a dark and quiet room. And apply a cold compress or washcloth to your forehead too as well, or even to the back of the neck. You could put a heating pad, massaging the scalp, doing yoga. These are some of the other home remedies that you could do to help reduce um, these migraines or make you feel better. Meditating is also important, keeping yourself in a calm state, kind of difficult in our modern-day society where it's always constantly running. Meditating and prayer, biofeedback has been shown to be very helpful with this. Um, And I'm going to make this very clear because you really have to develop a good relationship with your neurologist. Um, some neurologists are here, take your medications. I'll see you in two weeks. But then some of these people end up on a Friday with these severe headaches that they become bedridden. And you have to have a neurologist that has to have an office or at least send you to a place where you can get IV infusions where they can give you magnesium and some steroids and other um Medications or even supplements that help to diffuse that headache or reduce the severity of it. Um, there's nerve blocks that can be done externally. I've done them uh, for patients just for surgical reasons, uh, hitting nerve blocks which have been have worked. And now there's a doctor out of Cleveland that actually does surgeries to open up those foramen or the the openings so that those nerves aren't pinched. Dihydroergotamine. Uh, It needs to be done over a 72-hour period, usually intravenously, and it's done in a hospital setting. You have to have, again, that relationship with the neurologist that has to be affiliated with a hospital that does that kind of therapy. That way they can admit you and get it started without having to wait in an ER for six, eight, sometimes even up to 13 hours before you even get some kind of attention. Um, The healthcare is really starting to decline and it's not to me i think it's not fair for somebody with a migraine that can be treated uh, or already have a treatment plan but has to wait almost a full day before they can actually get any kind of attention so there has to be active participation between the doctor and the patient and with that i hope you enjoy our show thank you so much for watching us today if you enjoyed this episode be sure to leave us a review and visit our website and social media accounts to connect with us more If you happen to have any questions about your health regarding this episode, my email will be in the description below, and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. And if you would like to see any of the sources of research in this episode, they will be available to you in the show notes and description. Until next time, I'm Dr. Sal. Have a great day, and God bless.